I'm the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. We want to welcome you back for the uh, second half of our discussion about the Paycheck Protection Program, or PPP for short. Um, there's been uh, a lot of details released about this uh, in just the last couple of days and weeks. Um, so we are happy to have back with us today Terry Dawson, partner at Barnes and Thornburg LLP, to discuss this topic. Thanks again for coming back and joining us. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks very much, Jim, for having me on. If, uh, let's say, a company has laid off employees, do they have to recall or rehire the same employees? Um, The short answer to that is no. You don't actually have to recall exactly the same people that were laid off. Um, you, You basically need to document if people turn down offers of employment. And so this is one of the things that HR employees are very good at. And so they're going to have the ability to do this. So ordinarily, you have to have essentially the same headcount that you would have had, as I mentioned, before the pandemic. But if we had to lay people off and they've gone elsewhere, found other jobs, they've moved, maybe they've decided they just don't want to come back to work because, hey, I'm fearful of the coronavirus. I don't want to run the risk. I don't want to come back and run that risk at this stage of the game. Well, there is a provision. Fortunately, the SBA cleared that very issue up recently in their guidance. It's one of the issues that they actually have cleaned up for us. And so you can make an offer to employees. If they turn it down, then you do not face a reduction in your loan under those circumstances. That won't count against your headcount. Now, what do you need to do as an HR person? What you need to do, according to the SBA, is you must make a written offer to these people. In other words, you got to make sure you put this in writing. Hey, Jim, we're ready for you to come back to work. Hey, Terry, Monday's the day for you to start. And if they say no, then you've got to document that rejection of that offer as well. And you might need that later if you're audited by the SBA on this kind of an issue. So um, you need to make sure that you're capturing that documentation And um, you can also tell employees, you can be honest with them and candid with them, too, about the impact of their failure to return. In other words, if they reject the offer, one of the things that comes up sometimes, Jim, is, as you know, the uh, pandemic unemployment insurance uh, benefit has been increased in many states. It's a federal benefit. And so some employees might decide, I'm better off just to stay at home. I don't run any risk. I can collect a higher unemployment rate or benefit than a substantially higher one than I ordinarily would. And so they might decide, ah, I'll just sit this one out. You can be candid with the employee and tell them, hey, totally your choice, but we've got work available for you. And so understand, of course, that we'll report that declination to the unemployment folks. So that's the employer's choice whether or not to do so. But you don't have to rehire exactly the same people. You can make the offers, but you do need the same headcount. That is going to be a very interesting time um, when, you know, you have people that are afraid to go back into the office. A lot of places are opening up what, in, in a time frame that many professionals would consider to be too fast. And, you know, this thing has not run its course yet. Um, it would be very interesting to see what those conversations look like. I think you're right. And it's even more so because now we're going to get outside the PPP a little bit, but now you're going to impact a bunch of other potential statutes as well. So 
our HR people, this is the kind of stuff they're really used to dealing with. Somebody says, I don't want to come back to work because of COVID-19. That's going to impact not just the PPP loan section, potentially, you'll document and take care of it, but it's also going to kick in the FMLA and ADA inquiries that employers may be needing to make as well. So I don't want to delve off into a side path on that since we're covering the other topic, but it's something that your listeners need to be aware of too, as they, people say, I don't want to come back to work. That may not be the end of your analysis. You may need to know more, including, hey, does this person have an underlying condition that would qualify under the ADA or FMLA that we have to accommodate? So I think you're right, Jim. It's going to be a very interesting time and completely uncharted waters for all of us. Is there anything the HR can do to make it more likely that their loans will be forgiven when employees decline to return? Well, I think there is. And I think that I touched on it briefly, which is, can you do anything to make it more likely that we won't be impacted? Uh, Two strategies I just laid out. One is you can let the employee know, hey, understand that we're going to have to, if if you're staying off for unemployment reasons, we're going to have to let them know that there's work available for you because that's our obligation to do. And the second one really will be to, it's going to be very important for you to capture that refusal. Mm. It's got to be captured in writing. Make sure you've got that captured. I would advise you just open up a file of some sort and uh, start to keep those refusals there because that is not necessarily information you're going to have to submit to the SBA, but you're going to have to maintain it, says the SBA, in case it ever becomes an issue. And this is documentation, by the way, Jim, documentation that's related to it uh, needs to be retained for six years, according to what we're seeing in the guidance at this point. So put it in a file, make sure you've got it so that if you're ever challenged on, now, wait a minute, your headcount was 17 people less, you don't get this loan forgiven. Mm-hmm. You'll essentially be prepared for that as an HR person, and you'll be able to successfully navigate that minefield. Thank you for clarifying that. Let's say that a employer has taken out a PP loan, but then an executive order requires an, an employer to stay cloaked. Can a company pay employees to not work? Yeah, and think about that for a minute or two. I mean, we've got entire industries that fit that bill. Yeah. For example, if you wanted to go eat at your favorite restaurant, you haven't been able to do that for a long time, uh, depending on which state you're in, of course. And so you do have people that at the time they were seeking these loans probably didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know how long these individual state executive orders would be in place. Could they open back up? Would it be with a smaller percentage like it is now? We're starting to see in some some states where, say, restaurants can be open to 50% of their capacity, say. So you end up with, hey, I took out this PPP loan, and it was basically to maintain my operations and my payroll, and now I can't even open up. What do I do? Well, you basically have a couple of options. One would be go ahead and pay the wages to the employees. You go ahead and keep your payroll as it is, even though people are not working. So your question is, could you pay people not to work? Yes, you could. You could use those funds to continue to maintain that lifeline. And again, so long as you're applying at least 75% of those funds towards payroll costs. And so those are all the things you would think of that are related to payroll, salary and wages, tips. You know, if you're a restaurateur, um, payment for certain leaves, all those kinds of things count. Payment for 
your state and your local taxes that are assessed on employee compensation. So you, as long as you pay 75% of that total amount towards those things, even though people aren't working, then that's fine. You can go ahead and do that. Your other alternative, of course, would be to return the loan money, go ahead and lay people off and they can collect unemployment uh, that way instead. So it becomes a matter of some concern for uh, some employers where they're going to have to decide, you know what, am I just going to go ahead and use these funds to pay people even though they aren't working to maintain my payroll so that when we open back up, hopefully at the end of that eight-week period, we're ready to come back gangbusters. You know, it's, um, excuse me if you've already answered this, but what about the other 25%? Are there stipulations as to what you can do with that money? There is indeed. Um, In other words, it can only be spent on certain things. And so as I um, briefly mentioned, at least earlier, those are things like you can spend up to 25% on rent, your utilities. Let's say you got a mortgage. You can spend it on mortgage interest for your company and other interest payments. So that's what it can go towards. So basically only for those kinds of things, covered rent payments, covered utilities, mortgage interest payments. So it can't be to, you know, fund your vacation trip down to Florida or whatever it may be. It's got to be for one of those purposes as well. There is a certain amount of strategizing that could be done there, right? You could choose to pay your employees to not work so that you could spend 25% of the loan on business expenses that aren't payroll related and hope that you get the forgiveness and then you've been able to cover some of your costs rather than just saying, okay, guys, go on unemployment. I'm not going to use the loan at all. Yeah, you said it well. I think that's exactly right. You have to spend at least 75% of that money on payroll costs to be able to be eligible for the forgiveness. And you should get it so long as you don't exceed the 25% spending on other things. And the only other thing to keep in mind is the other risk to an employer that an HR person should probably be the, the one paying attention to is the only other way that you get in trouble is if we reduce employees' wages by more than 25% within the eight-week period in which you're dispersing the loan as well. So the HR folks need to pay attention to that issue too because uh, that will also impact your ability to have the loan or at least part of the loan forgiven if we cut people's wages. And let's face it, that's been an issue for a number of employers during this downturn. It's not unusual for me to get a phone call, several phone calls in a day, as a matter of fact, saying, Terry, hey, with this downturn, we're either going to have to cut our salaried employees' wages or we're going to have to lay some people off or both. So those are the issues that the HR folks are used to dealing with. And so that is where you as an HR person can add the most value in tracking those and making sure that uh, you're at least advising the right people about those risks. Now let's talk about one of those scenarios. What happens when you know, you've received a PPP loan, um, but you still have to, you've done the, the math, you realize you still have to lay off employees? Yeah, that's a very tricky part as well, because, hey, I've got the money now. I've got the eight weeks. And remember, the whole purpose here behind this program is it's not for the employer to have the money to spend on everything else, that it may spend it on. The whole idea is what we're trying to do is we're trying to maintain a relationship with the employees, the existing employees, and keep essentially money in their pockets if we can. And so that's the whole purpose behind the PPP loan. So 
we're back to the ideas. I'm going to take this money. I'm going to be able to use it to essentially keep employees whole for an eight-week period as we get through this. It was kind of like the way I describe it, Jim, is it was sort of like we're going to spend this money, give it to employers for eight weeks, and we as the government, then we'll figure out what we're going to do from here on out. We'll kind of figure this out as we go. So here's eight weeks. Let's figure it out from here. And so uh, if indeed you get the loan, great news. Hey, we got the loan, but you know what? We're in such bad shape that we've determined that's not going to be good enough. Well, we're still going to have to lay people off. Then really you've got a couple of options that you're looking at. One is an option we talked about before, which is you could go ahead and return the loan money, uh, seek to return that with the various restrictions and that may be in place on that. The other option is you go ahead and, and you you use the money for what it needs to be used for, but it's going to be turned into a loan because maybe your strategy is, okay, we're going to have to reduce our headcount. So we're not going to be able to hit that 75-25 rule that I mentioned. But that doesn't mean that the you, you're in trouble. You took the money. What it means is it now converts to a loan. So it's going to be a loan that's going to have to be forgiven. Uh, excuse me, that's not going to be forgiven. You're going to have to repay that loan instead. It's not a forgivable loan any longer. So that's something you need to think about really carefully if it turns out, hey, we still got to do a layoff. Then make sure that's one of those areas I'd make sure you get to your legal counsel as well and talk that through because you're going to want to know what your options are. But those are some of the immediate options you would face. I just have uh, one more question, which is Have you had uh, any heard anything about what the enforcement aspect of of this loan is both distribution of it and then later on uh, the potential for audits? Yeah, that's an excellent question because there's been some guides that just came out on that here in the really the last several days. But we've already seen some of this before this guidance ever came out. So the whole purpose behind the program, or at least the announced purpose, was we want maybe smaller businesses. Um, maybe those who don't have as much access to other resources. So you may remember there have been a couple of companies that got a lot of bad publicity, even though they did nothing wrong. They applied for the loan, some large companies applied for the loan and got it. So you may remember seeing that in the news. And they ended up returning that money because of the bad publicity they got. Well, certainly you have to make representations on the loan application that you made as a company. And now you're going to make one on the forgiveness aspect. You're going to make representations that you're using the loan proceeds for the purposes for which you are taking out the loan. So when you go to the website, you can pull up that application and look at that. You'll find that certification in there. And so this is not something that you're going to cut corners on. It's not something to pay, play fast and loose on because it'll be taken seriously. And your question also reveals something else that is important for employers to know, depending on your size and the size of your loan, particularly. There's a spot in the loan application, a forgiveness application, that asks if your loan was for more than $2 million. If your loan was for less than $2 million, you make sure that you check no, check that no <laughs> box, because your question's a great one. The SBA is going to audit groups that have companies that have received more than $2 million in loans. So if you're below $2 million, it's just the opposite. They are basically starting from the position that they're assuming that your representations were made in good faith. 
So if you're a truly a smaller company or you're, heck, if you're a larger company and you still took out a loan for less than $2 million, don't miss that on the application. That's very critical. So if you're involved in that as an HR person, find that spot on the loan, make sure you know what that loan amount was, and then take appropriate action if indeed it was for less than $2 million. If only all paperwork, tax paperwork came with a don't audit me checkbox. <laughs> don't we wish. And now you may actually have one, at least in one narrow circumstance. So maybe something good actually came out of the coronavirus. Actually, <laughs> We actually got that no audit piece. One tiny thing. One tiny thing. Well, thanks so much, Terry, for, for joining us today. I think this is uh, great. Glad to help. Appreciate the invite. And it's great to talk to you, Jim. Absolutely. Listeners, please check back next week for the next episode of HR Works COVID-19 update. You can also always follow us on Twitter at HR Works Podcast, or if you have any coronavirus-related employment law questions that you would want answered in one of these shorter episodes, uh, email me at jdavis at blr.com. Thanks so much for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works.